First of all, Dave, how you doing, man? I'm good, mate. I'm good, thank you. Jolly good. And Chris, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, That's just amazing, man. Honestly, like what? What is that? Twenty-two seconds into the podcast. Quality timing. to Two Defeats from a Crisis, the review pod on Saturday at three. My name's Andrew and I'll be talking tonight about Rangers' 4-0 victory over Livingston in the Cup quarterfinal with two of my very favourite podders. First of all, Dave, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you. Lovely stuff. And Chris, taking a turn in the host chair. How are you, man? Yeah, um, I'm not too bad. Just like Sam Lammers uh, last night, Andrew, I'm having the night off tonight. <laughs> that's a fair point that's a fair point so let's uh let's dig right into the game then uh rangers i think came into this as is every game i think at the moment it was a must win but this is really critical dave i think in terms of our season we're in a cup competition which celtic aren't in this is something that is laid on a plate for us we should be going on to win this so uh, what, what were your thoughts coming into this one man yeah, it's the it's the sort of definition of a banana skin. There's not really a good outcome. I mean, a, a thumping win as transpired doesn't really put any credit in the the Beal Bank, and a defeat probably destroys any credit that's left with whoever's still sort of clinging on. So it's a bit of kind of hiding to nothing. Uh, but it's one of the games that needs ticked off, and mm-hmm. thankfully we managed it. And it means we we take another step the, the cup. As you see, this now has to be an absolute must win. The unfortunate thing, I suppose, for us is that this is the only year I can think of off the top of my head where essentially it's the top five without Celtic in terms of kind of size and budget who have made mm-hmm. the semi finals. No, we don't have a Dunfermline or a Livingston or a Queen or a Queen of the South or somebody sneaked in there. It's going to be two very difficult games, whoever we have to play. Obviously, it's Hearts next, but whoever we get <laughs> potentially in the final. No, I, I felt very upset that we didn't have the Hibs and Mirren game because that one looked like a fucking roller coaster. Hibs went 1-0 up after about five seconds. Hibs came back 4-2 in the end. So, you know, it's quality. All we've got to do is review boring Rangers goals instead. M- much as shame. Exactly. Um so, Chris, Rangers lined up with Jack Butlin in goal, uh, keeping the position there. Tav, Goldson, Davis and Ridvan coming in for Borna Barisic. We had Lundstrom, Jack and Sofuentes in the midfield. And then Lammers, Seema and Kamar Roof up top. Just on the face of it, when the lineup was announced, your thoughts, feelings about that? T- to be fair to Bill here, there's not really much. He can only really piss with the cock he's got. Um, one for a better saying. Um we can go down the road of, yeah, but he's built a poor squad and the squad should be more robust in terms of uh, versatility, etc, etc. Yeah, we can go down that road, but I don't think there's any point in beating that dead horse. The players that are available are the players that are available, and that was pretty much probably, I mean, the debate about Barisic and Yilmaz will, will rumble on who's better, but that's pretty much as, as strong a team as he could 
could have picked, uh, considering all the injuries that we have at the moment. The only thing that I will say <clears throat> is, um, like, of course, we're in a quarter-final. Of course, you want to win this trophy. Uh, absolutely, we do. Um, why he's not utilising Robbie McCrory, and you know I'm a big fan of Jack Butland, um, but why he's not utilising Robbie McCrory in these games, I don't know. But again, that's hypercritical. Um McCrory's shown that he is more than good enough to step in. Um, so this, I, f- I felt that this tournament um, would have been perfect for him. But obviously, it looks like Butlin's going to be number one from now until the end of the season on every single game, which is not exactly a complaint, but very, very harsh on young Robbie. Because um, as I say, I think he earned a lot of credit towards the end of last season. And I certainly would be playing him in these games and I'd have no qualms about that. Considering the fact, Andrew, that Jack Butland had absolutely fuck all to do last night as well. Well, yeah, I mean, Livingston registered zero shots on target, so I think he could have stuck me in goal and it would have been the same outcome, really. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's a fair... I mean, you're right that it's not it's not something to really be all over the head with. You know, we've got plenty of other things to do that with instead. But... My biggest worry here is, Andrew, if um, Jack Button is taking a bye kick and he does his cruciate ligament, I mean, it was a, it's, it's not a risk that I'm willing to take in games like this. As our one good signing of the season. Exactly. No, 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 no. What are you talking um, about? It's, it's not as if players are just fucking drop like flies at every turn, is it? You know what I mean? It's well, just... exactly. We don't have any injuries to discuss on this particular no. podcast, Dave. So, yeah. To be fair to you, Dave, it isn't every turn, it's every second turn. Well, I. Um, so, that was the lineup. We went into the game. I think. Rangers started similar to how we've started a lot of the games, actually. We started fairly strong and got a goal early on as well. Um, there was a ball forward from Yilmaz in the ninth minute. Seema gets on the ball. There's a very slight push on Jamie Brandon. Doesn't look like there's much in it. He gets past him and it's a really good finish to make it 1-0. I was watching a Rangers TV, so obviously I was getting the highly biased commentary of uh, Tom Miller and Andy Little. Um Dave, you're actually at the game, I think. I'm not sure if you saw this game, this goal in person, but in terms of the goal and the reaction to it afterwards, what do you think? Was there a foul there or what? So, weirdly enough, I, I was late at the game yesterday. I was coaching at my daughter's team and I, made, uh, I had to make a late entrance. So I saw this on Rangers TV on my phone on the walk to the stadium. And okay. my first instinct live was, nah, nothing in that. I saw the replay back and I was sure, as were the commentators, as Andy Little particularly thought, that's going to get disallowed. When I saw it back in slow motion, I thought, ah, that his hands is there. But if you see it in real time, there's not really much in it. And Motherwell scored a very similar goal recently. Well, the hand in the back and momentum takes them and it's a fall. As a contact sport, and I don't think there's any intent or any power enough to shove him down from Seema. But the thing that has rattled so many cages and should, to some extent, sort of concern us, even though we got the goal, is that there's just woeful inconsistency across across every usage of art, across these decisions, inconsistency in when it gets used. So Motherwell at the weekend could rightly point out the Tav foul, where the guys pushed them, alleged to have pushed them down. I don't think there was much in it. And it was mm-hmm. stopped. And then Seema's allowed to go through and go and score. So that's two similar instances in similar areas of the park with two vastly different outcomes in terms of when VAR's used, when the ref steps in, and then whether there actually is a review or not. So, as I've said before, my thoughts in VAR is that one team have 
essentially screeched about it so much that every usage of it's guessed and second guessed and referees are loath to use it in the proper way because they know that not only are they getting to re-referee the decisions, but their, their re-refereeing of the decisions will be re-refereed for weeks and days. So I, I'm a big fan of our I'm watching a La Liga game as we speak and it's used there properly, at least as far as I can deter, determine. And again, it's another one that will cause loads of columnities because it goes for Rangers and they'll say it's unfair. And again, it'll just add to this noise around VAR that it's been misused in favour of us when it's not. It's been polluted by others. But in terms of the goal, it's a lovely finish with Seema. It does brilliant. Um, the, the cut inside, hopefully it does his confidence a lot of the good, which it seemed to. He's going to be the only pacey outlet, so delighted for him to get it, and delighted that we got the early goal and all, because it kind of took the sting out of the night a wee bit, by just getting that early start. The early goal always helps settle us, I think. Uh, it's that kind of situation where you want to feel yourself relaxing into the game. An early goal always does that. I think... In terms of the reaction to it afterwards, Martindale was asked about it in the post-match interview. He certainly thought it was a foul um, in terms of the decision. I understand that Willie Collum was offered the the use of the screen as well because they they did signal to him that it, you know could be something in it. He decided not to go for it. So it's that damn Masonic conspiracy all over again there. Well-known um, Mason Willie Collum. Exactly, yeah. You're famous for it, as, as far as I understand, at least. Um, Chris, you were watching this on the telly. I mean, in terms of your reaction to it, you know, was there a foul there? Do you think it should have been chopped off or, or what? Oh, you, need, you need to try and take the kind of blue-tinted specs off and just try and be as objective as you can. And it's 100% a foul, I'm sorry. It was, um, you know, 10 years ago it's not a foul, but in today's game it is. Um, and... That's just my opinion. You can disagree with it all you want, but I think with the letter of law, it it did it did push him over. It did get an unfair. It did gain an unfair advantage. If it happens to us, we are raging. Um, and in many ways, it has happened to us. You know, with with Dessers on Lagerbielka, and then obviously Morelos on Alistair Johnson. Both of those goals were ruled out. So if you're going to say that those were fouls, then you have to say that the one yesterday was a foul. Um, but with, with those two VAR decisions that went against us, both against Celtic, by the way, um, to Dave's point, the, the inconsistencies are just mental. Like, I'm not calling for, you know, last night, I'm not going, oh, that better get chopped off. Obviously, I'm not, but you are looking for a level of consistency there, and it just seems to be the big games where these decisions are getting overturned. And, and yet, the narrative is, oh, there's Rangers getting favourable decisions again. I can literally point to three, obviously, Morelos and Alistair Johnson, Dessers on Lagerbelker, and then Seymour against St. Johnson a couple of weeks ago when he was onside and he got ruled offside. He was clearly onside, like he didn't even need the line, you could see, and the lines overlapped, which is by the letter of the, the VAR rule, if the lines overlap, it's onside, and we still get fucking, the, the goal still get disallowed. So, I'd, you know, it's, it's a, let's just call it for what it is, it's a Celtic media PR machine um, putting pressure on referees again. Um, you had Chris Sutton coming out, blah, blah, blah. Aye, fine, fair enough. It was a fucking foul. But one of the most bizarre things that i seen uh, last night, uh, Dave, I don't know if you've seen this. Tam Cowan was actually at it. He was posting fucking the foul at the weekend with, um, well, the, the non-foul, obviously, 
Tavernier, well, he's saying it's an unfill, but the Motherwell player went through and bars Tavernier out of the way. Um, Tavernier fell to the ground and obviously kind of went one-on-one with Butland and FK pulled it back and then and it was like a kind of split screen sort of that incident and then the incident with Seymour and the, the Livingston player and I'm like, what the fuck's he getting involved for? You know what I mean? With the incident you're talking about, Dave, where the the, the, the Motherwell striker, I can't mean who they're playing, Ross County maybe, gets through and goal but he's kind of get the defender in between his way and he uses both hands to push the defender out of the way. The defender stays on his feet which is why I think the, the, the goal was given. You, Tam Cowan's no talking about how they get away with that. Like, it, honestly, it's the narrative is built up now. Tam Cowan, by the way, he isn't a, an old fun fan. Like, he is a died in the wheel Mullerwell fan. They do exist. Like, so this isn't about me saying that this is a um, pro Celtic fan, anti Rangers thing. But w- what I'm suggesting that maybe is that even non old firm fans now are starting to see this narrative creep in that Rangers are getting the benefit of this and it's just utter bullshit. Hundred percent. We've seen that since twenty twelve. There's there's an anti Rangers narrative that sort of suffuses Scottish football and the thing that we talk about quite a lot in the pod and in the group chat is the transfer policy of how we feel that we're unable to buy players for Scottish clubs and it's because there was a narrative and again it's another media narrative that Rangers benefit for this all the time, VAR is seen as pro-Rangers, refs are pro-Rangers and then he stepped in and I, I think he's got a point, the Phil, the boy that filled Tav in the edge of the area, there's not much in that, I would be furious if that was us that boy should be allowed to go on and have the attempt at goal and then either get it pulled back or if he misses fine just play on so aye, it's ridiculous inconsistency and the approach to it, so that boy should be allowed to go as Seema was, and then it should get reviewed every time. But uh, Scottish refs, it's the age old thing of they're inconsistent. Uh, VAR's supposed to remedy that, but only principles around how it's used will help that because they've not got the tools to, to review every decision. So come up with a set of principles, let play go to the absolute limit, and then go back and review it. At the, end of, at the end of the day, though, what's been missed here by just about everyone uh, with, with, with Celtic um, persuasions is after every goal, VAR is reviewed anyway, regardless if there's an incident or not. They review every single goal just to make sure there's nothing in the build-up. And VAR did, you know, as as um, pointed out by Rory Hamilton, VAR did say to Willie Colm, you might want to go and check that. Willie Colm on the night decided not to. That's a Wally Colm thing, not a VAR thing. Um, well, that's just an incom- incompetency thing. I didn't realise that, and it's quite good insight, Rory Hamilton s- said that the, the commentators actually get to hear the, the 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 referees' discussions. That's how they can tell you straight away on a live broadcast if there's a VR check done for a penalty, handball, whatever. And, and Rory Hamilton came out on Twitter the day and basically said he heard what the conversation. There is no conspiracy. Wally Colm essentially decided not to. That's Wally Colm's right. Wally Colm is a referee. That that one thing has to be clear as well. VAR isn't the referee. The referee is the referee. And what the referee says will overrule VAR every day of the week, regardless of what, regardless of what VAR thinks anyway. I think that the problem is we're we're asking for like some consistency and professionalism from Scottish referees and nobody get it when they're part thing like and I know correct yeah different argument here but they're doing this for a jolly I mean it's a good wee side hustle they're getting five hundred quid for ninety minutes running about and then they go back to their office job being a lawyer 
why would they? It's it's like every Scottish football referee has got a, a fantastic career outside being a referee. They're like loyals and, and all this kind of stuff, surveyors. Um, uh, MPs as well. Uh, MPs, yeah. <laughs> Nobody give up their career to, to go full time, uh, ref, being a full time referee. One, the money's not as good, and two, it's, it's more hassle. So that's a situation that needs to be a long term vision for Scottish football to get full time referees in. You had referees with good careers down south chucking their career to become a full-time referee and they're reaping the rewards now. It's quite a lucrative career being a referee down south. And what Chris, that- we've got we've got visionaries at the top of Scottish football. I'm, su- I'm sure they're right on top of that kind of thing. You know, they're, they're forward-thinking, progressive-minded souls who will definitely be uh, advocating for the very best that Scottish football can have. But what, what it does is, is, is twofold. Like if, you, if you actually have a career as a referee... Um, and, and what should actually happen is young academy players who kind of fall by the wayside, they should, being a referee should be really attractive to them um, if the football career doesn't work out and they should know that that's a kind of fallback. Um, it's a full-time professional career with good money. It then becomes more attractive. It then obviously attracts a better candidate. And then the next thing you know, the standards start to rise. But the the current setup, you're getting we we John who was refereeing an amateur game eight years ago now in charge of all fun games. Obviously, that's just a complete um, exaggeration. But that literally is the 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 line of progression with referees in Scotland, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's it's not a great state of affairs uh, with Scottish referees, but it's probably a longer discussion point than we've got time to go over on this pod. Um, I'm keen that we don't do what we did last week and take until the 50th minute to get to halftime. So we'll move straight on to halftime because not a lot really <laughs> happened for us in the um, in the first half, uh, apart from the goal. Uh, I think we settled into the game. We didn't really threaten them too much. And um, yeah, we, we kind of just carried on. I think what, what I want to be clear about is Rangers did dominate the play a fair amount. You know, we didn't really allow Livingston any kind of opportunities there. We stayed on top of things, but we also weren't particularly aggressive or attacking minded in that first half. Half time, Kamar Roof uh, comes off and is replaced by Cyril Dessers. Apparently, this is an issue with his groin. He was apparently having issues with this towards the end of the first half, didn't flag it to the bench, didn't raise it, um, and it only was apparent at halftime. Dave, given our injury history, I mean, what what can we do with that? Like, do we need to interrogate these players every five minutes while they're on the pitch or what? I mean, Roof is notorious for declaring injury early, and uh, uh, there's a certain suspicion and narrative that he self-diagnoses quite a lot, and feels he's injured when perhaps he's not <clears throat> at least that's certainly the perception and then the one time he genuinely seems to be injured he holds on for that extra time and has to get taken off at half time I, <clears throat> I mean I don't know what we need to do to keep players fit, obviously we'll come on to Yilmaz going off as well, that's us now without seven guys who would probably start most games Um. I don't know, we went on about it, and this is another probably side issue, but we went on at length last year in this pod about the injury crisis and what we felt was causing it. I think we even did a special episode last year, if I'm right. We did, and yeah. We're, we're back now with a similar, if not worse, injury crisis. It's probably worse in the sense that the players who are coming in, Dessers and Lammers, either aren't up to scratch or haven't settled in yet, depending on your view. So we've got fewer solid citizens to rely on and we face a quite a tricky game at the weekend probably 
trickiest domestic home game apart from Celtic, I would say, this season. And the catalogue injuries, like I say, six or seven of them would probably start. So uh, it's not great. And for Rufnoy just to declare and go off early and possibly worsen it, just sort of makes the whole picture a bit bleaker. Yeah, it's not, not ideal for us. Um, not really having... We've, we've got two of our kind of first-choice strikers out unavailable at the moment with uh, both Danilo and now Roof picking up injuries. I don't know how serious the Roof injury is yet. I don't think anyone knows that yet, apart from Kamar Roof, potentially. Has, has Kamar Roof ever had a non-serious uh, injury? No. Oh, well, yeah. Bruce, you want to come in there? I know, I'm just saying I think we can all guess, aye, but, but we'll be lucky to see Roof again this season. Um, which I'm, I'm actually quite fine with because I, I thought anything we get out of Roof this season is a bonus. Um, unfortunately, obviously, as, as, as Dave said, we've, we've only got really decils to fall back on now. But listen, the manager lives and dies by his sword. Um, he brought decils in for big money. He really wanted them. So let's see what he's got. I mean, he did the same with Danilo as well. And unfortunately, we're not seeing a lot out of him at the moment. So... We, we don't exactly have our troubles to seek in the uh, striking position right now. Well, we spent a lot of money up there, so they'll need to start delivering for them or Bill will be out a job. Uh, well, you can refer to, I think, our previous 20 pods about our thoughts on Michael Bill, this managerial oh, prospect going my, forward, right? This is, my, this is my point, though. This is, this is he, built that, he built that front line and um, clearly not good enough. Uh, so far, don't think it ever will be good enough. Um He's too Chris, big. I just want to I just want to contextualise things by reminding you we're talking about Rangers getting a four 0 victory in this game. Okay, so I'm just, I'm just putting that out there as a bit of information, neutral, no agenda, just yeah. just throwing that out as a thing. At the end of the day, the, the the context is that we're talking about how much we're going to miss Kemal Roof in 2023, um, and that that's that's worrying enough to have that conversation. Mm. And I suppose the. Two strikers who remained on the park were recruited at, I believe, seven million quid. Dessers and Lammers, and their sort of contribution amounted to Lammers putting an absolute sitter over the bar. Oh, we'll get to that one. Don't you worry, Dave. That's that's in my notes. I've got that noted down, ready to go. So, we're in the second half. We're already making progress over last week's pod. (laughs) Um, 64th minute. Yulmaz picks up the ball in our half. I think, what, the 40-yard line or something like that, runs through, I think, half of the Livingston team, toe pokes at home. It's a phenomenal goal, honestly, completely against the run of play because at the start of the second half, Livy came into the game. They definitely had the motivation from Martindale and were threatening the goal. But this is a colossal goal. Came at, I think, exactly the right time for us, Chris, because I think after this one goes in, we never looked like we were stopping. I don't really know so much about the kind of against the run of play, but it was certainly against the run of form, if that makes sense. Uh, you, you didn't expect that to come for, for Yilmaz. Um Yeah, it was a, it was a fabulous goal. Uh, that's that's uh, what, what I like about the goal is the, the fact that it was scored in the way it was. It was more to do with that's something we've not seen from a left back. Um, Possibly ever. I was going to say since Joe Rebo in a certain European game, Chris. But... Aye, aye, aye. Um, so that gives me a bit of hope with Yilmaz because I will be honest, I was starting to really, really lose a lot of hope. He was looking like a proper flop again, a really expensive flop. The saving grace for Yilmaz was his stock's still pretty high in Turkey, so I think we, we would have broke even, or we will still break even, even if it doesn't kick on from here. Um, 
But I, that, that's that's what I enjoyed the most about that goal was the fact that you're seeing a left back driving from his position into the centre of the park, you know, driving past two three players and then getting a, a beautiful finish. I have to say the finish did he mean that? I don't, I don't know if he meant that. How could anybody mean that? I mean, it's it's, it's a toe poke, so I mean, I don't know how accurate it can be with that, right? But even the fact that it's a toe poke, toe pokes don't usually generate that much backspin and power it was a fucking I've, I've, I've watched that about five or six times and I still don't know how he's managed to do it because even at that with a top poke he's, he's at full stretch when, oh yeah like so how's he managed to generate the power at full stretch I don't know but um, that that's what really really pleased me the most about that goal is like I've, I've not seen a goal like that from, from a player in his position Andrew, you're absolutely right. Since Joe Rebo played against Braga, you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's something that Barisic has ever done. Um, he's always kind of set PC when it comes to goals. The well, from I, th- I think it's a difference in in terms of how they both play. A re- uh, sorry, fucking Rebo. Borna likes to go towards the outside and then cross in. Right, he's done that very well. Ridvan always seems to want to cut inside and come into the middle of the park when he's that, going for it. It's that's just more, that's a more modern way that fullbacks. Yeah. Now they're, they're going into the park to become that extra man. And obviously, Yilmaz has got a good six, seven years on Barisic. Uh, Barisic, I, I think when Barisic signed, you're, you're kind of thinking that is your modern-day fullback. But the modern-day fullback has changed yet again to where you're almost an extra midfielder in the middle of the park driving in to give more options. And, and you can see that in the difference with Yilmaz. Um, but it's... I'm, you can't, we can't get our hopes up, can we? Because he's injured. So, uh, well, nice. yeah, that's. Um, I, I, I'll let you have the fun one there, Chris. So, Dave, I'll come on to you now. Um, less than ten minutes later, Ridvan goes off. He goes down with no one near him. He's holding the back of his leg at his hamstring. That's never great. Post-match interview suggests that he's come off just with a bit of cramp. So, hopefully, it's nothing worse than that. But again, seeing another player come off with injury, man, never good to see. No, if we're being told it's cramp, it's probably some sort of like internal decapitation or dismemberment, <laughs> and that's him forever. Well, fingers crossed it's only a, a a short-term thing. He did put a shift in. He hasn't played a lot of games for us, I don't think. He's put together three games in a row before, or certainly not three, like 60 minutes plus, which isn't a great sign fitness-wise, but you can kind of forgive cramp if that's been the state of play for him. Yeah, he's starting to show wee signs. It's starting, well, the wee signs are starting to become more frequent. We've always seen these wee bits that he might become a decent option. And for me, he's still not quite the first choice just because of the way we play and the quality of bonus deliveries. But if he can, if he has that in his locker, not even the goal, that's a, a, a one in 50, 100 games type thing. But the driving run to get us up the pitch and, and commit players and put team in the back foot and get us out. We've not had a player who could really drive out of the fence like that probably since Bouguera. John sort of likes a wee stroll out now and again. And ta- no, Dave, get- that, was, that was exactly the name I was going to bring up there because Bouguera would do shit like that all the time. And it was because we had Davey Weir who could lock the back door Aye. when he was doing it. Tav does get us up the pitch, but it gets us up the wing. Nobody mm. can really drive through the middle and commit players like that. So if he's got that in his locker... That's a good asset to have, but yeah, we've not had that since Bruguera. On the Davy Weir point, that's now three games in a row, I think. We've played the same defensive Four. partnership at the back. Four games now. Uh, ben Davies maybe slightly turned it around as well. 
Well, uh, you know, a stat that got brought up over not the last weekend, but the previous weekend's game was that when Ben Davis and Connor Goldson have played together in the league, we've never lost the game. We might have picked up a few draws here and there, but we've never lost the game. Given the shit that Davis has had in the past, I mean, it's a, it's a good sign. It's it's only stats at the end of the day. It's not, you know, an ironclad law or anything, but it's still a partnership that's resulted in, what, four clean sheets in a row now? Andrew, see, see that's bullshit. I, I'm not buying it. <laughs> no, no. How many, how many games have they beat Celtic when they've been a partnership? Look, Chris, if we're trying to bring up games where we beat Celtic, unfortunately, under this manager, we haven't done that a whole bunch. No, no. Right? Well, well, under this manager, they've been the most consistent partnership when we've played Celtic and they've beat us twice in the, twice at Hamden and then obviously um, the the game at Parkhead, Davis played and caused that a massive fucking nuclear. And then when they played together, Davis and Goldson, it was two each. So the, the, they have not played together and beat Celtic. So I am not going to get my knickers in a twist about them having clean sheets against Livingston and St. Johnson. Um, I'm willing to give Ben Davis a second chance if, if we play between now and the next Celtic game and not get beat, that's that's literally it. No, because I'm no, I, I know we're, I know we're gonna, I know we're all gonna laugh about what I'm gonna say here, but I am no falling for it. <laughs> well, uh-huh. I'm I'm usually that opinion that one swallow doesn't make a summer, and <clears throat> I say still a bit reserved about Yilmaz, as I'm about most of them, but I can kind of see a wee bit more in terms of some green shoots about Davies than I can about probably the rest of them. I thought it was good against Betis. I thought he did what he had to do last night well. I'm not his biggest fan. I don't think style-wise I'm going to be his biggest fan, but we need a settled defence and that left side is more comfortable for him than Suter. So it's something I hope continues. You see, if he can go the rest of the time up to and including the Celtic game without defeat, then I'll be a lot happier and a lot more content to say that he is a, a first choice and potentially even maybe even a Rangers player. That's a big, big claim there, Dave. We'll see how we go. Um, I'll come back to you for this one, Chris, because I know you'll be very excited about it. 77th minute, Seymour wins the ball in our half. Honestly, one of the re- one of the best passes I think I've seen, certainly this season, but in a long while, across the pitch to Tav, he runs forward, squares it back to Lammers, and Lammers, from a, about five yards out, manages to send it into orbit, man. I yeah. think <laughs> th- this is this is not the only incident of Sam Lammers doing Sam Lammers things, but I wanted to use this as an opportunity to just talk about how he played in general, regardless of your feelings on him, if you think he's a Rangers player or not. He had a fucking Western super today. Uh, well, d- the thing is, you're you're giving me the opportunity to talk about Sam Lammers with the one up or with the one thing that I wouldn't even blame Lammers for. Uh, I believe that any Rangers captain who goes one on one with a goalkeeper in a quarter final at Ibrox should be looking to slot that ball home and book her place in the next round. Uh, so why Tav? Is, I know what Tav's trying to do. He's trying to set up Lammers, get his confidence up, blah blah blah. There's a fucking time and a place for that. Four, five, six, and all up. Do that then. But no, when you're two and all up against a, a team who are more than capable of getting that goal back and giving us a nervous last 10 minutes. And when your manager's under pressure, you're the captain of Rangers. You've no one much silverware. You put that game to bed. So no, I wasn't very happy with Tav there. So Lammers, Lammers done what Lammers probably does, not score. Um, so aye, that's worrying. But in that particular instance, it was Tav I was more 
more annoyed at. Um, I've I've only seen that one in real time. How much of a one on one? It was one on one, Dave. Uh, it was it was a uh, it was to the keeper's bottom left, and you know, is it not a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation? Because if Tav doesn't square it and hits the keeper, we're sitting here saying the opposite. It's, it's a it's a dead easy tap in for Lammers. Is is it was my point there. Um, no, yep. so. I, get, I get your point, but Lammers, the, the ball's behind him um, in, in many ways, uh, even though that's going to sound really stupid, even though the ball was always in front of him. What I mean by that is he's having to kind of change direction to get the shot away because the Levy defender had committed himself to Tav, so he's obviously put Lammers off. And so Lammers, if you look at Lammers' um, body shape, it was all wrong, um, which, again, you could probably blame Tav for because the ball... The ball probably could have been better, but for me, um, I actually think the the easier thing to do there would have been to take the shot. And this isn't me having a kick at James Tavernier for the sake of having a t- kick at him. It was the position of that lovey defender that that really did put Lammers off there. Um, whereas that lovey defender was on Lammers, and he committed himself to Tav as Tav went to square it. Whereas Tav actually literally had a free a free shot to get away. And I, I genuinely don't think anybody at Tuna up is going to have a goat Tav for taking that on. Um, and Tav has to take the responsibility as captain of Rangers. He's been in that position many a times and finished it. And and we're in a we're in a cup tournament that he's never won. And you just have to again. I, I might be really really harsh here, but I just felt it was the wrong decision. And I felt Tav was doing it for the individual rather than the team. I, I get why he was doing it. He's obviously trying to set him up, get his confidence up, get him to kick on. But the, the time and the place was all wrong. Um, the team comes first. And um, look, we, we can we can say ah, you're being a bit harsh on Tav here, but ultimately he done the wrong thing, didn't he? Because Lammers made a complete and utter horror, and 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 his confidence instead of getting his confidence up, his confidence probably is rock bottom as it possibly can be because it was a, a it was a poor chance missed. Slightly disagree in the terms that it was a sitter. I, I honestly don't think it was a, a sitter as such because. As I say, the position of that Levy player combined with the ball not being the best and then obviously combined with, with Lammers just no readying himself for it. Um, but I, for how much did we pay for him? 3.5 million? For that, you, you should really be expecting him to finish that. So I, I take that point on board. However, uh, you look at his... We, we only paid half a million for Tav, Chris, and that was eight years ago. So, hi, you know. Hi. Um, but when you look at... When you look at Lammers' goal-scoring record, nobody can be surprised that he missed that. It's the, his goal a season record. He's already had it. Did he not score against Levy at home in the league game? There you go. <laughs> so he's done his goal a season now. That's him finished. I mean, I maybe that's like, why it didn't go in, Dave. It can't. I feel like the time Tav did the right thing in it. I, I disagree. Tune up against a team who are not any threat is probably the time to start cutting buzz back in the box but by the by you still want a 3.5 billion striker to finish that and it, it, in isolation I any striker could miss that Haaland will miss a chance like that this season right but it's coming on the back of Lammers missing a good chance against Motherwell at the weekend he's missed against Celtic a couple of other big big misses where he's had the goal at his mercy and I don't know, is he allergic to goals? Is he a bottler? I have no idea. The, the only time I can think of a guy who was similar in spurning chances was probably Eric Bo Anderson, who 
could have put in a plate for him and miss. And that's the only comparison I've got. I'm really struggling to see what Lammers brings to the team. He's clearly got skills, clearly got ability. He, he can send people for fags, but then he doesn't do anything. He, he, he beats them and sends them off balance. No pace to go past them and no final product. He's like Mr. Wu. Remember the guy we used to get to come in and do keep-ups for time to time and tricks? Like sitting in his arse doing keep-ups. He's like that. He's like a, a sort of exhibitionist. I take it my Mr. Wu reference never went anywhere there. Is that the guy that came to Ibrox at half-time and did the keep-ups? Aye, that? aye. Did um, all the keep-ups and would like sit in his arse and do keep-ups with the back uh, of his head while doing press-ups and that kind of I bet Lammers is great at all that. But as a footballer who tries to contribute goals, assists, points and match-winning contributions, that I, I'm seeing very, very little. The only thing that keeps me from properly getting on his case is that he, he does have ball control skill. He can trap it, he keep it, keeps it tight, he's got a good first touch, but there is literally nothing else there. And if he was put the chance away, fine. I mean, he could have six or seven goals, which would put him probably right up there with starts by a striker ever. But he's got one and it's just not good enough. And his performance, yeah. Andrew, just sorry just to cut across you there, Andrew, his performance last night wasn't good enough. I don't I have no idea what game people were watching or saying it was decent. Nah, man, I, I don't know what he does. I don't know what he's meant to do. I don't know what his best position is. I don't know why we signed him. Um, and by the way, this isn't the benefit of hindsight. I said it at the time. I just I, 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 like, knew nothing about the boy. Took one look at his fucking his record and I thought, there's no chance, man. There's absolutely no chance here. See, see just on that, right? I, in the summer, gave the recruitment the benefit of the doubt. I thought this, the superficial stats for Lammers and Dessers are nothing short of shite, but I assumed that there had been work done on the underlying stats, the kind of graphs and radars and charts that you see. And then I found out in the start of September that we were actually recruiting a stats department at that point. So clearly nothing was done in these guys. Clearly there's no like, oh, Sam Lammers has been really unlucky, gets into good positions, but... See if we're, being, see if we're tra- trying to apply logic to these signings. The only thing I can apply to is four or five years ago, respectively, Dessels and Lammers had brilliant individual seasons. Lammers with Herringreen and um, Dessels, I can't remember who it was, Dessels had a, a good season there, I think it was a team in Belgium. Fine, uh, to be fair, he scored something like 10 goals in the Conference League. Alright, okay, that's right, alright, okay. Um, so they, they, they have had good individual seasons, but the problem is they're three, four years ago, and there's definitely an element, I know we joked about it, that I, Michael Beals try to bring these guys who are on the downward trajectory and try to re- rehabilitate them. It's it's just got to be it's got to be his signing um, kind of ethos now because our methodology. Because you look at the players that we're bringing in, Cantwell was in the down the, the downward trajectory. Dessers was on it. Lammers was on it. Danilo isn't on it, which is why we were all excited. Raskin wasn't wasn't on the, the downward, which again is why we were, we were all excited when we got him. But the rest of them, man, they're just like even Butland, you could say, was on the downward trajectory. Hadn't played consistently for three years. I actually genuinely think that's that's his kind of policy. Um, and I mean, Chris, it's not kicking the arse away from what Gerard's signing policy was either. You know, he picked up a, a number of players who were out of favour or, or on a downward spiral in terms of, you know, their position within teams and problem. helped rehabilitate them, right? Here's the problem with that. Like, 
I know Rangers fans and on the whole don't like to hear this, but it was still one trophy in nine with Gerard won it. So it wasn't like the most trophy laden spell um in our history. So the, the, to be clear, that wasn't me trying to defend that as a signing policy, Chris. Like, I, well, I suppose what I'm saying is the, the, the body of what suggests it's no sustainable if you want to win honours. Um, and, yeah, it's that's that's the only logic I can apply to those two signings because I see nothing in them at all. Nothing. Um, more so Dessers, I actually think Lammers is more... You can probably work with Lammers in many ways with certain things, but Dessers just seems shot to bits. Like... Dave, you've said that he's going to be a byword for a flop sign in years to come, and it's hard, it's hard to say that he's going to be another Siebel, of course, but... Um, no, 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 no. Siebel was fast. Siebel <laughs> <laughs> had a song as well. I mean, it was sung by Celtic fans and not us, but still. Uh, that's coming, don't worry about that. Actually, 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 Andrew, I refute that. Siebel did have a song, Um by the film Rangers fans, I think we were beating Celtic 2 0 at Ibrox. Ah, uh, yeah, we're uh, taking the piss. I see what's going on. Piss. Yeah, I so that, that, I mean, a 50,000 singing that man, Sebo must have felt magic. <laughs> well, you know, you never know, it could still happen this year, Chris, for still for um, for Dessas. So, you know, we've got we've got hope springing eternal, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll move on because Christ, we're still in the second half, let's get to full time, shall we? Um, 83rd minute, Borna passes forward to Seema, who collects it, runs with it, attempts it to pass it back to Dessas, you know, a cutback to do your striker a favour, and instead it deflects off of De Lucas and goes into the back of the net for 3-0. Dave, I mean, at this point, things are looking pretty good, right? Aye, let's see the earlier. Seema getting a goal by hooker by crook is what we want to see. We need these, albeit we're sceptical about them, but we need these guys to perform. It's very quick football getting forward, but it's three passes and the goal, which we've complained at length that we don't do enough of. So we've managed to get up the park fairly quickly. Obviously, the game sort of died a wee bit from their perspective. But aye, it's, it's what you want. Quick forward football and gain is another option to attack rather than the usual sort of walking football, pedestrian midfield stuff. I think it's that thing. As soon as the second goal goes in, for them... Livingston, though, I think it's done at that point. You know, not had a shot on goal. It's over. But, Chris, I mean, from your perspective, a lot of this is Seema's work, obviously. But I guess I, I dread to ask this, but do you think Dessa scores that if he actually gets to the cutback? Or? Pro- probably not. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. <laughs> We're going on the evidence of what we know and the... the um, what's, what's the word? The... Balance of probabilities, um, probably not. But I tell you what, what Seema done was my very favourite come shot, um, Andrew. The old cross come shot. I'm not saying a single word. No. I, I won't. I won't allow the group chat nonsense to sully this podcast. We're far too professional for that kind of nonsense. I said what I said. You did indeed say it. I'm, we can just move on. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that's being that weird, mate. <laughs> well, you know, that's my duty as the fucking host, man. You made me do this. Uh, okay, we go to the 87th, 88th minute, and we have three subs all in one go. Sterling, Wright, and Suter coming on for Lundstrom, Seema, and Davis. Dave, the depth of the squad here, just phenomenal to see, right? Aye, brilliant. Where was Bailey Rice? 
the perfect oh. opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you when you're three 0 up against a team who have not had a shot on your target against your goal, maybe that is the time to bring on the sixteen year old who you've got a lot of hope for. Aye, there was a there was a Cole McKinnon was on the bench as well. Give these guys a run at the game is done, and at least keep another sub back, and that way you can throw some throw suitor on to fix it if they do somehow pull it back. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I don't want to labour it. I'd get too too hard into the weeds on it, but it's another weird decision. There's your Bailey Rice moments there. There's where you put the sixteen year old in and build his confidence up. He's going to get a few nice touches. There's handles of space. They've tired. They've made subs, so the game's starting to get a bit scrappier. Put him on. I, I don't see the point in putting out three seasoned, but reasonably seasoned pros. Well, it's the 88th minute as well. It's not like there's a whole bunch of football to be played at this point, right? Mm. I think mm. the subs were... Aye, aye, sorry. Aye, it was the 8th minute, aye. Could have done it a wee bit earlier, but aye. So we'll go on and uh, we go into extra time. It's the 91st minute. There's a quick throw from Sterling to Tav. I've which... heard Tav's region about it. <laughs> it's entirely against our standard playbook. Tav gets the ball, he runs forward, passes it backwards. From Scott Wright, there's just this perfect dummy, and your hero, Chris, Ryan Jack, gets on the ball and plants it directly into the back of the net. You know I had to come to you for this one, mate. So, Ryan Jack, Rangers captain material, right? Well, go, well come on. Uh, no, I don't no say that, but um, especially in my history of tipping who should be captains. Um, goal of the game, goal and assist from Jack, man of the match. I don't need to say any more. That, that's it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, I mean, just like Ryan Jack, understated, humble, and... Uh, Gets the job done. <laughs> Just doing the work that he's doing there, right, Chris? Exactly, mate. No fuss. No fuss. That was a great goal, though, right off. It was, honestly. It was, it was a really good goal. Oh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, I mean, and that's us. Um, we're through to the uh, semi-finals now. We will play Hearts, and the other tie will be Hibs against Aberdeen. Both games to be played against, well, at Hampden. So we look forward to that. Uh, I don't think it's for at least a month. I believe the ties are played in November. So we've got a little while until those are due. But hopefully we'll get some players back from injury by that point. But overall then, Dave, I'll come to you first. Um, you know, thoughts on the game. Does this buy the manager any credit? But, or or are we kind of still where we are? Um, it slows the downward trajectory if I'd say it doesn't really buy him any credit because it's Livingston at home in a cup game it's midweek rainy night under the floodlights with a kind of dampened small crowd these nights are always the same at Ibrox when it's like that the, the opening line from Tom when I turned on the commentary walking to the game he says it's not a bad crowd all things considered and I'm like okay great Tom way to sell the product here mate you're <laughs> you're basically admitting that we're in a bit of crisis and fans <laughs> Once are... you're already watching it Dave, aye. you're already in, you've already paid the money for aye. it, I don't care at that it's point like, All things considered, pushing the rain, Livingston Bershite, fucking injury crisis, so I fair dues for turning up well, okay thanks Tom, I might as well just turn back then will I? Um, but aye, it doesn't buy you any credit you just need to get the job done, nobody's ever going to remember a midweek cup final against Livingston as a classic no matter what so I say they're a bit hiding it on, but glad we get the win. Got a couple of goals. Would have liked to have seen a wee bit more control in the midfield and some signs of style of play, but uh, it sort of slows the downward trajectory for me, Alan. Turns it around. 
Yeah. Chris, um, we've played, you know, a good number of games now. We've scored 15 goals, eight of them against Livingston. So your your thoughts on the, the game as a whole and uh, how it sets us for the rest of the season? Well, um, look, Bill, the show, this show is called Two Defeats from a Crisis. Bill has one defeat from the sack. Um, and a win against Livingston doesn't change that for him, unfortunately. Um, I think that if this derails at any point between now and December, uh, he is gone. We, we've all spoke about this. Um, and it's important that we don't lose focus of it. We all said it at the time after the Celtic defeat. He he needs to be perfect. The only leeway he has is Europe. Um, and even at that, there's ramifications there because we're playing Limassol next. And a defeat against them could could very well be the death nail in his, his coffin. Um, as harsh as that may sound, because we have to be expected not to be beaten by, by Limassol. But again, again I'm fast-forwarding a wee bit there. Wins against Livingston at Ibrox in a quarter-final of the, of the Scottish League Cup do not save Rangers managers their job. However, it does prolong um, it does prolong them in the role and it does continue the run that Bill needs. And the run that Bill needs is to be almost perfect, especially domestically. So he's doing, he's, he's doing just enough. Um, I don't think he's turning anybody's opinion on him. Um, the, the sad thing for Bill is he did get credit for best, and rightfully so. I even gave him credit. I thought it was unexpected. I thought it was a good performance from the team. I thought he got it spot on um, tactically. And then he just ruins it with Mullerwell. Um And that's that's where we're at with it. We, there is a fundamental lack of trust between the fans and Bill. And the only way that Bill can get that back and turn... Um, uh, the the mindset and opinions uh, of the fans around is by winning football matches and to his credit, by hook or by crook, he's doing that currently. Um, doing it with no style, but at the end of the day, I, I have to say I'm one of those fans, fuck the style, just win the game. Um, and then after the game's won, I can then moan about how it wasn't pretty in the eye. That's just my fickle right as a football fan, but I'm not going to hold the lack of style against them unless there's, like, every week's a kind of Rangers um, Motherwell at Ibrox type performance, but um, I, I suppose to kind of summarise, Andrew, it's this Disney, this Disney give him credit, this Disney um, you know, improve his stability as Rangers manager. He's still on a knife edge. He's he's his head is still on the block. Um, and again, that's not me being harsh, and that's not me putting pressure on him. It's just reality. Uh, he is genuinely one defeat away from from the sack still. And as long as he continues to grind out these results, then he won't get sacked. Um, it's as simple as that. And uh, it's it's a, it's a difficult one on it because we, as Rangers fans. Again, I'm probably going into something a wee bit more a different conversation here, but I was thinking about this the other night. Though. Like, I don't want us to lose any game, right? Regardless if I like the manager or not, I want us to win every game. But it's like the one game that I don't want us to lose, the one game that I don't want us to to not win is is the league games because that that's all that matters this year. Um, so it's and and if you ask me where where are we going to de- derail? It's going to be in the league. And we're just looking down the, the barrel. Um, it's it's pretty fucking depressing, actually, because we can still, despite four wins in a row and four clean sheets, 
you can still see it's coming. There is such a soft underbelly in this Rangers team. There's such a naivety in the, the, the dugout that I just don't see that this is going to be the perfect run, which we clearly need. And I'm sorry for bringing everybody back down to earth. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to let you bring me back down, Chris. I, I refuse to allow it to happen. And we've got uh, Aberdeen at home next, which has famously always been perfect for us, right? Yeah, so it's like you know, this could, we're talking here. We're in the semi-final, uh, fucking a uh, 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 trophy that we we quite obviously should win, right? Well, uh, the last time we won it was 2009, so it would actually be very good to win this one, yes. Well, but the thing is, like, literally this time next week, we could be talking about Michael Beal being sacked. That is how, <laughs> that's how much a precarious position he's in. Because if he doesn't win against Aberdeen, that, that, it's going to be a full-on revolt, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And, and look, look, at the end of the day, is, I'm not going to feel sorry for him because it's his own fault. It's and. Michael Beale has caused this, and only Michael Beale can get in, get himself out of this. And if Michael Beale gets himself out of this, that means that he's turned it around and fair play to him, and I'll be the first to do a public apology. But the, again, that that phrase, the balance of probability. Mm. I'm sorry to be the one again who is the negative Nancy, but I just I, I see no signs there. Um, but again, I hope I'm wrong. Of course, I hope I'm wrong. Well, there it is. Dave, we uh, move on to Aberdeen next at home, Saturday at three. Obviously, a very good kickoff time. Our favourite right here on, hey, Saturday at three. What a great name. Um, in, in terms of how you see this one setting up, I, I think Chris has made it fairly clear that he doesn't think that there's any uh, credit in the bank here for Michael Beale. But again, it's one of those games where it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. He's got to win this one. He, he'll probably receive no credit if he does, right? Yeah. Uh... Aye, this is, there's a significant degree more pressure here, I would say, than there was last night. Well, no, no pressure, I mean expectation from the fans because it's Aberdeen, tensions are heightened a wee bit because we know what we'll get, we know exactly what we're going to get for them. So I was fairly relaxed last night. I thought we would have enough to get past Livingston no matter what, and that was borne out. I'm 100% confident with the current injury stood status that we've got enough to get past Aberdeen even in the state they're in I mean they are second bottom only beat Ross County albeit in the last two games apart from that their only other win was Sterling Albion so they don't have their troubles to seek but as we know what happens with them they turn up and they perform and they're dogged and they'll try every trick in the book so aye there'll be a bit more intensity about this one and it is a must win. He's he's got to win it. Falling seven points behind before we're properly into October. I don't know if that's the first October ever, but we're really there. Would be fatal for the title challenge. I personally think Bill would survive another defeat. I think it would have to go a bit further before the board up in the apple cart a wee bit. But, for me, uh, Dave, I think it's he he exits the cup without winning it, or he comes out of Europe and we don't have European football after December. Those, I think, are the red lines right there for this board. Even then, I think he would need one or more of those, and he's going to need. I think he'd need two of the three. The league challenge to be gone, <laughs> and either of those that you see happened. I think the board want would wait and give him the two. Wait till he fucks two of the three up. Uh, but so I this becomes a, a pressure cooker because Aberdeen want their season turned round. Where better to do it? Uh, and this Rangers team doesn't really have the depth. There's no pace at the minute. 
And aye, we just need to hope that we can, style or no, pull the win out. Hey boys, it's always a really good fun time talking to you both about Rangers. <laughs> um, so anyway, on sorry, Chris. I'm just saying we're just being realistic. That's all we are. Just being realists. Oh well, I'm gonna dream for a little bit longer. It's it's more fun that way. Is there a happy clapper Rangers podcast? Is there a podcast out there somewhere that's predicting this to be a resounding three 0 win? Yeah, I can I, I can I can think of one, uh, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Let's not get into pod on pod drama, okay, Chris? We're not okay. big enough to, to have a go at anyone else at this point. Uh, we can just insinuate instead. It's much more fun that way, and there's plausible deniability. So that's where we want to be. Um, anyway, on that cheery, happy, positive note, um, let's talk about Satellite 3 sponsor. We are being sponsored by Pie Sports, who are giving away a free set of pies to the winner of our internal pie competition. What we're asking you, the lovely listeners, to do is submit your pies of the week. It's your nomination for whoever's been a particularly egregious idiot that week. We have had two entries over the course of this past month. And so tonight we are going to be selecting the pie of the month. The winner of these two is going to be receiving some free pies from Pie Sports. So um, you need to put your names into the hats, guys. Submit your entries. Let us know your pie of the week, and you could win your own very own slab of pies, courtesy of Pie Sports. If you've entered and unfortunately do not win, don't worry. You can still get a discount through Pie Sports. Just use code SAT at three. That's S A T at symbol, and then the number three. And you'll get ten percent off at checkout for any pies that you purchase at Pie Sports. So, R two. Entries for this past month, Chris and Dave. We have Blair Mulgrew submitted Gordon Parks for saying that that Rangers would get hammered by Real Betis. And for our other pie of the week, we also had David in Newcastle who submitted Michael Beale for running up the tunnel full time and hiding from the fans after the Celtic victory. So, Dave, we'll come to you first. Of those two, who wins your pie of the month? What was the first one again? Uh, Gordon Parks for predicting that we yeah, would Yeah, go with him. Go with Gordon Parks, yep. All right, okay. Chris, I almost dread to ask, but I'm going to come to you. Uh, no, no, listen. Uh, uh, his, I totally forgot what the Rangers manager was called, though. Um, Michael <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> He's still actually actively the Rangers manager at this point, Chris. You've got to let him get sacked. <laughs> oh, not on like, me, my um, No, listen, um, I've gave Michael Beale um, his weekly kick in this week. Um and the thing is, he's fucking won four games in a row, so I'm not going to stick the knife in any further. Uh, I would like to forget all about that um, Celtic performance um, and result, so I'll, I'll agree with Dave. Um, I don't want to drag up old um, uh, old graves. Uh, I, I just want to forget about that, move on, and um, yeah, I'm not going to give the Rangers manager the pie of the month, um, despite my, my thoughts on him, uh, I'll give it to Gordon Parts because it was an absolute howler. The fact that the funniest thing about it, actually, Andrew, is um, he he uh, he predicted that we would have the heaviest defeat that week in Europe uh, of all the Scottish teams, despite the fact that Aberdeen were playing Frankfurt, and we were the only Scottish team to win that week. So aye, it's, uh, that's your that's your Scottish football journalist uh, for you. So um, 
quite funny, quite funny. Um, at least they won something. At least they, you know, yeah, oh, exactly right. You know, you get a little prize there. I mean, he doesn't get the prize. Blame or Grew, congratulations, right. you get the prize. But you know, you do it off the back of Gordon Park, so that's always good. Uh, I the, the coveted Saturday at three pie of the month, Gordon Park. So get it fucking <laughs> up you. <laughs> prestigious prestigious that is all right well congratulations again to blair mcgrew um our admin staff uh that's Idi, will be reaching out to you <laughs> in due course um, so congratulations mate uh all that's left for me to do then is to first of all thank everyone for listening um I, I, we say this every single time but we do it for you guys you keep listening you keep feeding back we'll keep doing this um it's always much appreciated your feedback is is why we do this so thank you very much for that you can find the pods pretty much everywhere uh we're on apple pods we're on amazon music we're on spotify you can listen to the show on acast you can listen to the show pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts and if there's a place that you listen to podcasts but you can't see us let us know and we'll make sure they go there we also encourage you to like, share and subscribe to the podcast through any of those methods or by following us on our various social media platforms. We're on Twitter. I'm not calling it X Elon. You can't make me. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're fuck. We're on Instagram. We're on threads. We're everywhere that you can find us on social media. So we encourage you to follow, like, share and subscribe on those as well. It all goes towards supporting the pod and helping us out and validating what we do. We always appreciate every single one of those. Um, so please continue to do so because we really appreciate it. I'd like to thank my two lovely guests as well. First of all, Dave, thank you very much, mate, for coming on. Yes, cheers, guys. Pleasure. And Chris, uh, always a pleasure to have you on, mate, uh, especially as a panellist, not as the uh, host. So uh, that's always fun, man. I feel as if I really kind of came into my own when I'm no hosting, so I, I like to kind of uh, get a night off every so often. Um, <laughs> look at it from the other side of the table. But thank so you. did you have- did you have a good time then, Chris? Like, that's what I was worried about there. I don't know. I'm not going to go over the shot here, Andrew, and say that I'm enjoying talking about Rangers currently at the moment, but um, I'm certainly, uh, you know... It's, I was going to say, Chris, for you, that, that sounded almost perfectly positive there. So uh, so thanks very much, Ben. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a good liar. I'm a good liar. Cheers, buddy. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so... Thank you again to everyone listening. We really appreciate it. We encourage you to tune in for the next podcast where we will be, well, hell, we'll be reviewing the Aberdeen game, hopefully talking about a Rangers win and previewing our, you know, big European tie against Aris Limassol. So that'll be very exciting. We hope you tune in. But until then, thanks for listening. Bye for now.